0: Well, we're in the second week of Advent uh, as we enter into the Christmas season. uh, And we're in the second week of our series that we're calling the name for our hope. Uh, Last week we began looking at the prophecy uh, that God gave us through the prophet Isaiah here in Isaiah chapter 9. A prophecy that was made 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And here is the prophecy Uh, of uh, Isaiah chapter 9 starting at verse 6 for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father and prince of peace Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And what we have here, this is the foretelling of the hope that we are reminded of this Christmas season. And Isaiah gives us the names of our hope in this wonderful prophecy. He starts out by... Calling him Wonderful Counselor, which is the name that we focused on last week. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to go to our website or your app or a podcast, and you can download that message and listen to it. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of, of Peace. And so today we're going to focus on the hope that we have in Jesus in that name of everlasting. Father. And the reason that we're focusing on the, uh, these names of Jesus is because names are important. Uh, we did a series about a year ago on the names of Jesus throughout the New Testament. And uh, uh, we talked about how important it is, uh, our, our name and, and the names that He has been given. Uh, names are, are important. Uh, and if any of you, anybody out here this morning uh, expecting a child and you just want to announce it for the first time this morning, raise your hand. Or maybe some others of you that are expecting a child or maybe you've had a child, you know that coming up with a name for the baby is quite the task, right? I mean, uh, uh, there's... Uh, and and I, I should include this in premarital counseling that I do when I'm talking. I should give them a heads up and a warning But since we all experienced it, I think they ought to as well without any warning. But when you start trying to come up with a name for a baby, I mean, there's so many rules out there uh, that that apply that you didn't know. You start trying to come up with a name and... and, uh, For example, you can't use the name of anyone that either of you have ever dated before, right? I mean, that name is just totally off limits for the rest of eternity. That name cannot be used in your family. can't even be used for your dog. It would be a great name for your cat, but probably not your dog. And uh, so... You know, you got to be real careful about those names. And, of course, you got to pick a, a name that, that flows off the tongue easily, you know, that the, the amount of syllables or whatever match and, and all that. And it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, one that doesn't sound ridiculous. For instance, if your last name is Man, you probably shouldn't name your daughter Anita. That would be awkward for her, her entire life. Uh, or if your last name was Price, I wouldn't name my daughter Lois. Uh, unless she was going to work at Walmarts, all right? And then Lois Price would be perfect uh, in a case like that. So you have to be really careful about the names. Uh, but, but seriously, names are important. They reveal a lot about us. Uh, there's a, our reputations often are tied to our names. Uh, and so it's important to us to note that when God gives us a name, When he shares a name to us, it's important we should pay attention to it. We should understand what that means to us. And as he has promised us a Savior here, he uses four uh, important names uh, that he would be to us, right, as coming Lord and Savior, that would address a lot of things that you and I will encounter, that we would encounter and problems that we might face. He wants us to understand the hope that we would have in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so He gives us these names. And so today we focus on the name Everlasting Father. And I believe that if there was ever anything that we needed in a Savior, it is a relationship with Him of everlasting uh, Father, uh, And the reason that this is so important for us today uh, in the world that we live in and the society that we live in is because associating that name Father with God is difficult for a lot of people and the reason is because they had difficulty in their relationship with their dad. And we see it's more and more uh, uh, frequent today. Uh, some of you had great fathers. You had great experiences. You had great uh, people, in your men in your life that left a great legacy for you. And you've, got, you've had a great relationship and great memories from that. But we live in a world today where it's very common that fathers have checked out of the family. Uh, they've checked out of the family dynamic. Uh, we talk, uh, uh, we've talked before about the fact that any man can be a biological father. I mean, anyone can, can, can be biologically someone's dad, but it's becoming a rarity in society today uh, that men uh, are, are fathering children in a way that God intended for them to do that and can be counted on and dependable uh, when it comes to the family. Uh, and it's taken a toll on our society. Uh, when you look around, it's taking a toll on the world that we live in uh, because of that. I was reading some st- statistics. I can't say the word. I love statistics. Y'all know uh, I do. But uh, some uh, about the effects of fatherless children in our world today. And it's alarming to say the least. Uh, listen to this. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 90%. Kids that run away from home or are homeless come from fatherless homes. Eighty-five percent of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Seventy-one percent of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Eighty-five percent of juveniles that are sitting in jails and prisons grew up in fatherless homes. And sixty-three percent of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Fathers play a huge role in our society today, play a huge role. And and so is there any wonder why Jesus, why God would point out specifically that in relation to us, Jesus would be our everlasting Father? Right, And some may think that, that calling Jesus everlasting Father may seem a bit odd because the Bible uh, refers to Jesus as the second member of the Trinity and referred to as God's Son. And, and, but here, the Son is called Father, and this doesn't mean that He switched places with God in the Trinity. All right? It simply means this, that Jesus, in His relationship with us, And the relationship that He wants to have with us and the relationship that He desires to have with us is the Father that we have always longed for. The Father that we truly need in our life to lead us and guide us and encourage us and support us and carry us and all these things that a loving Father would be to us. The perfect Father. The everlasting Father. And I believe often we see these names of Jesus and the names of God all throughout Scripture and we just read them uh, here at Christmas time in the Christmas story and think, you know, oh how cute, but there's a reason that he told us he would be our wonderful counselor, that he would be our everlasting father. And this morning I just want to point out why the promise of an everlasting father brings us hope and gives you hope today. And the first reason is this, your everlasting father thinks you are precious. He is absolutely crazy about you. He loves you. He adores you. He wanted you to be His child. And and as I was thinking about this, I thought about how much I love my boys and love my my kids. And I would do anything for my kids. But I'm human. And they would be the first to tell you that I'm human. Uh, They're quick to point out my faults. Uh, Sunday uh, lunch is when I get all of the critiques of my bad grammar. Uh, Stories that I didn't tell that were perfectly, stories that I told that weren't perfectly accurate uh, and so forth. Uh, But anyway, you know, I look back, though, uh, as father and my boys, they're raised now, 23 years old. We had twin boys, and uh, they'll be turning 24 first of next year. But I look back over that, and I can see the mistakes that I made. Right? We all can uh, those of us that are parents uh, but but here's what I did and they, 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 they would tell you this. they would agree with me, I believe this morning. I held my kids to a higher standard than I did everybody else. and that wasn't fair to them that, that I did that but I, I just did. Uh, now, I by no means was abusive to them, although at times they, would, <laughs> they, they thought I was being abusive, but they don't know what abusive is. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I wasn't abusive to them. Uh, but one of the things that I regret was that I didn't tell them more often, I'm proud of you. You young dads, add that to your vocabulary. It means a ton to your kids just to say, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you did. I'm proud of what you accomplished. I love you. We can never tell our kids, I love you uh, enough. And, and I'm sure there were many times in their life and maybe even still where they feel like I wasn't satisfied with what they had done or what they may have accomplished. Uh, we had one child in particular, and I'm not going to mention names. It gets me in so much trouble when I identify which child I'm talking about when I tell these stories but we had one child in particular that for whatever reason and I've told this story a thousand times but some of you may not have heard it he had a huge problem wearing shoes (laughs) and I don't really believe that it was the fact that he didn't like to wear shoes as it was more the fact that he could never find his shoes and so he would just go without them Uh, and uh, you know before they were old enough to drive I often would take them to school and that was a teacher and a principal and so she always went really really early so I would take the boys to school and I would drop them off and we live about 10 miles out of town we get about halfway to town and this one would be in the back seat and go oh man and Hayden would be like what'd you forget this time <laughs> oh I'm sorry I let that slip Kind of gives you a hint who the other one was. And on several occasions, halfway to school, it would be, I don't have my shoes. And so we'd have to turn around and drive back home. And it wasn't just drive home and get the shoes. It was drive home and we all get out and go in and hunt for the shoes. Uh, And so, you know, we, we had this dilemma quite often. And so it finally got to the point to where the principal of the high school, this was still happening in high school. Yes, it was. The principal of the high school was a good friend of ours, and so one day I just went in her office, and I said, Would it be okay with you if I just brought a pair of shoes up here and left them in your office uh, just in case? Uh, And so, you know, we, we were having those issues, and then one evening I got home, and Lynette was opening the mail, and she's looking at it, and she was like, She starts explaining that these are results that uh, we had gotten in the mail from some test that the boys had taken in school, some national test, and it told their scores, and you know they were in this top percentile across the United States, and you know she was going on and on about it, and I'm like, and so uh, just I wasn't near excited enough about uh, this mail. And so she takes me uh, back to the bedroom to the walk-in closet. I, I don't know how many of you can relate to going to the walk Some of you older, men's, older older peoples, could maybe relate this to the woodshed. I heard you were taken to the woodshed. So I get taken to the walk-in closet in the bedroom, and she proceeds to wave these papers in my face and say, This is a big deal, and you need to make a big deal out of this. She said, this is, or, or, you know this is unbelievable that they would both score this high on a test and do this well, and you need to brag on them, and you need to tell them how proud you are of them." So, okay, I, you know, come out of the closet. Don't, don't y'all dare go tell your preacher came out of the closet." All right. With my tail tucked between my legs and these papers in my hand, and I walk in the living room where they're at, and I said, "Hey, Guys, you know, your mom just explained to me, <laughs> she explained to me how important this was and what a big deal this was, and I'm really proud that y'all are smart like her, and y'all can take tests and score really high on them, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad, I'm excited that, that you're that smart, and, and I'm proud. But I just want to tell you one other thing. If you show up to work without any shoes on, they're going to fire you and send you home. <laughs> They don't care what you made on this test. You show up to work with no shoes, they're sending you home. And to show you God has a sense of humor, that one right there now works for me. And y'all, some of you have seen him up here, right here, playing that guitar, singing with no shoes on. You've seen it. You've experienced it. It wasn't because it was comfortable. It was because he didn't know where they were. Oh, my goodness. And so, seriously, (laughs) I'm trying to think now, why did I tell that story? Uh, Sometimes we can make our kids feel like we're not satisfied with them, and they hadn't done enough, and they weren't good enough. and, and, And you know... Maybe you felt like that toward your dad or a parent that you had in the past sometimes as a kid. And that can have an effect on us in how we view God and view Jesus when we think of him as a father. Because some of us have experienced some situations with our father that you know, might lead us to think, Am I good enough? Have I done enough? Is he proud of the life that I'm living. And we take these human emotions and these human feelings that we have here on this earth and we associate them with our everlasting Father. But the good news for you and for me is that our Heavenly Father is perfect. And and no matter what our earthly dad was like, good or bad... Jesus was so much better. He is the perfect. That's what Scripture is explaining to us. He is the perfect, loving, heavenly Father. The prophet Isaiah goes on to tell us over in chapter 43 and verse 4 that we are precious in His sight. And how much he, he, he loves us and adores us. He cares about us so much that Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew that he is so attentive to us that he knows when one hair falls from our heads. He knows because he's paying that much attention to us. He adores us so much that he would know if one hair were to fall from our head. King David describes it beautifully in Psalm 139. He says, you've searched me, uh, Lord, and you know me. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Your eyes saw my unformed body when I was just a so-called fetus. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. And, and so we have this built-in nature. We have this built-in desire in our heart To be someone special, to be someone that is loved, to be someone that is cherished by someone. And and I don't want you to miss this this morning because you are special to God. That's what David is trying to explain to us there in Psalm 139. How special he feels, how wonderful it is to know that God uh, is our, our Father. You matter to Him. You are on his mind. Uh, You you were on his mind when he formed you in your mother's womb before anybody else even knew that you were going to be born. He loved you, he knew you, and he had a plan for your life. And he planned to be this his plan was that he would be your father, that he would be your everlasting father, and take care of you the way a loving father would and a loving father should. And he wants to be that for you, and He will be that for you, and, and that love for you is, is deeper and greater uh, and better than any love you've ever felt before. We all just want to be loved. We all want to feel that. We all want to be cherished, and, and His love for you is greater than any love that you have ever felt or known before uh, in your life or even could ever possibly receive from your biological father. And I don't even know how to put it into words other than to say, your your everlasting father is absolutely nuts about you, okay? He's crazy about you. He thinks you're precious. He loves you and adores you. And you're his, his creation. Uh, Another trait of your everlasting father is this. Your everlasting father is not mad at you. He's not mad at you. You know, when our boys were living at home, there were days I know they probably felt like they had to walk on eggshells around me. Uh, I know you all think I'm perfect, uh, but uh, I have bad days just like you do. I have stressful days just like you do. I have days when I don't like people, (laughs) you know. Uh, We just have those days, and, and we're human. And sometimes when we have bad days, what do we do? We take it out on the ones we love the most. We take it out on the ones that are closest uh, to us, and I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that you and I are capable of that, all right? And and when we have a bad day, we take it home with us often, and we take it out on the ones that are in our home and the ones that we love. And you know what? We are hard to love when we're that away. We're hard to love when we act like that, and we respond like that, and we bring it home like that. And if we're not careful, our kids will grow up always wondering when the next blow-up is going to happen, right? Uh, what, what did I do wrong? You know, and then they begin to associate uh, what they experience with their biological dad or with a parent. They begin to relate that to their heavenly father and they, you know, experience something bad in their life and then begin to think, what did I do wrong? What what did I do wrong? Is God mad at me? You know, did I do something that set him off? You know? And we begin to think of our relationship with God in the, the, the same way when something goes wrong and we think, what did I do wrong? Why is God mad? Our everlasting Father isn't like that. Matter of fact, David said in Psalm 103 and verse 8, the Lord is compassionate, the Lord is gracious, the Lord is slow to anger, and the Lord is abounding in love. He doesn't blow up and he doesn't get angry quickly. All right? He, he is always willing. He is always ready to extend forgiveness to us when we repent. We sang earlier that the Father's arms are open wide. That is your everlasting Father. They're always opening, open and welcoming and, and forgiving. And, and yes, there, there are times when God disciplines us. You know, Scripture's clear about that, that sometimes, you know, we're disciplined as any loving father would do for their children. I mean, if we didn't ever discipline our kids, you know, we wouldn't love them much. And so, yes, we get disciplined from him uh, like any father would do. But listen, it is never done out of anger. It's never done in anger. For those of us who are his children, it is always for our own good. That is his purpose. That is our, his plan. He's a good God. And whatever it is that he allows or he does is for our own good. And and I want you to know that if your dad was the kind of dad who was always angry or your dad was the kind of dad that uh, was easy to blow up on you, your everlasting father is the opposite of that. He's the opposite of that. And he's not mad at you. And somebody needed to hear that today. God's not mad at you. And then the last thing that I want to point out about your everlasting father, if you've accepted him as your father today, is this. Your everlasting father is with you. All right, statistics show that 40% of children in America now live in fatherless homes. All right, and here's what happens. When dad checks out, kids often interpret his absence as personal rejection of them, right? Uh, they, They think that somehow the reason Dad left or Dad's not around anymore is because of something that they've done, that it's their fault, that they weren't important enough or they weren't good enough, and it often has a lasting effect on their lives, and we saw that earlier in the statistics that I shared with you. And if that was you or if you have ever felt that way, about your earthly father, and maybe your earthly father has let you down, or maybe even your earthly father has abandoned you, Jesus is the opposite of your absentee father. He is. He says to us in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, He says, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And do you know what the Greek word is? Here that is translated never in this passage of Scripture means never. (laughs) Never, ever for any reason. Never. He won't leave you or abandon you when you mess up. He he won't leave you or abandon you when you make a, a bad decision or make a bad choice in life. He, he, he's not the Father that gives up on you because He gets disappointed in you and you somehow feel like you've disappointed Him. He's not walking out. He's not leaving you. And and we see no better illustration of this than in the story of the prodigal son that Jesus tells. It's a beautiful description of this everlasting father that we're talking about this morning. He doesn't give up on you, but instead he waits. He waits on you to get back on the right path. He waits on you to make the better choice. He waits on you to come home and receive forgiveness. Think about this. With Jesus, when those nails were pounded in his wrists in his hands, in his feet, when he was taking those nails and he was being nailed to that cross for your sins and for my sins. He didn't give up on us. He didn't quit on us. He didn't abandon us. He didn't leave us. No. What did he do? He prayed for us and he prayed this, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. That was his prayer. From the cross, that was his prayer. So, so listen to me this morning. Jesus is the father that you have always craved. He is. He's the father that you've always craved. Even if you had a wonderful dad, at some point in time, he disappointed you or, or he let you down. And, and here's another reality that I, along with many of you, uh, have experienced this year. Even the best dads die. They're not here forever. Their their lives don't last forever. And and when they die, it leaves this big gaping hole in our heart. And we don't know how to fill it. We don't know what to do with it. That's why I love this, this word that Isaiah uses here to describe our Father. He didn't just call Him Father. He says He is the everlasting Father. He never disappoints. He never forsakes. He never leaves. And He never dies. He's always there. He never dies. He is the Father that your heart has always longed for. And by the way, this morning, if you're a dad that's sitting here and feeling overwhelmed by how you may have failed your kids, you know what? Apologize to them and point them to the perfect, everlasting Father. That's the greatest thing that you can do for your children is to introduce them to the Father who is perfect and the Father who will always be with them and never uh, let them down. And I also know that some of you here today have experienced some really bad things in your past. You've experienced some, some difficult things in your past. Or maybe you're currently experiencing some difficult things uh, right now in your life. And maybe no one even sitting around you right now, now knows what you have been through. They don't know what you've been through or they don't know what you're going through right now or how you feel right now and the pain that you're in right now. But we have hope today because the everlasting Father, He knows. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going through. He knows the pain. He knows the struggle. He knows all of that. And He's saying to you this morning, He specifically had you here so that you would hear this. He cares. He cares. He cares for you. He is the perfect everlasting Father that loves you and adores you and he'll never quit on you and he'll always be there. He's not walking out and he's not dying and he wanted you to hear that and and know that this morning and we can have hope today because of that. And God's word says that nothing can separate us from him. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. The question today is this as we close do you know The Everlasting Father. Do you know Him? Are you His child? Have you experienced what we've been talking about here this morning in your own life? Do you know the Everlasting Father? And the good news for you this Christmas is that you can. You can know Him. and, And you can right here today. He's been introduced to you. And he wants to, the scripture says that he adopts us into his family. Wouldn't, wouldn't today be a great day to get adopted by this everlasting father? And this morning he just wants to be in relationship with you. And he wants you to know the everlasting father is your only hope for what this world's going to throw at you. The Everlasting Father is the only hope that you have in eternity. And so this morning, I want to ask you to stand together if you would. And we're going to have a closing time of prayer together as a church family. And again, these altars are open. I invite you to come. Maybe there's something going on you just want to bring to God this morning. You've been reminded He cares. And we have this awesome opportunity to approach the throne of God with boldness and bring whatever it is that we've got to Him. And so this morning, if you need to come and pray, come. Bring it to Him, your loving Father. He's reminded you today how much He cares. So if you got something you're dealing with, you're going through, or something you want to bring to Him this morning, I invite you to come. This prayer chest this morning. Uh, Somebody like to come pray over it. It's filled with names of people that we're just praying would come to know this hope that we've talked about and accept Christ as their everlasting Father. And I was shared, it was shared with me just this week that there's a name in that chest that we now know for sure, without a doubt, is a child of the King. So we celebrate that, but we continue to pray for those who don't know Him. This morning as we close in time of prayer together, if you're here and you've never accepted Him, you can do that right there where you stand. You can come and do that at the altar. It's simple as just approaching God, approaching His throne, admitting that we're sinners and we need a Savior. We need an everlasting Father in our life and believing that Jesus is the Son of God. He went to the cross for our sins and Went to a tomb, but he was only there for three days. Then he rose again. Our hope is in the everlasting Father. Scripture says if we place our faith in him, confess him, and make it known then he's just and faithful to forgive our sins and make us his child. So this morning, you can pray right there where you stand. Surrender your life to him and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And then your next step, Scripture says is repent and be baptized. And any of us here on staff would love to talk to you about your baptism, if that's your next step. Let's join together this morning as we pray. though. God, I thank you for this incredible reminder this morning of how much you love us, how much you care about us. Because I know there are times that we go through things in our life and we wonder if anybody gives a rip. If anybody cares at all, it it almost seems like there's more people out there that are against us than are for us. But your word says who can be against us if you are for us and you've reminded us today that you are for us. You're crazy about us. You adore us. You, you, You put us together in our mother's womb so that we would be perfectly made the way that you intended. And you had a plan for our lives. You had a purpose for our lives. And some of us here today, we've lived our lives on our own, under our own plan, for our own purpose. And so today, thank you for this awesome reminder that the ultimate plan is that we would be in relationship with you and, and walk with you as a man. Walking with you on this journey is a whole lot easier, a whole lot better than walking it alone or walking it. Uh, with those that are leading us down the wrong paths, And so if there's someone here today that needs to surrender to you, needs to accept you, I pray that they would do it right now where they stand. God, that they would surrender their lives, perhaps their family to you, their situation to you. After you've reminded us just how much you love us and how much you care about us. God, we thank you for that today. We thank you for your blessings on our lives. We thank you for what you've done in this church the past 115 years that this church has been here. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for how you've you've blessed, how you've brought people to you, how you've built your kingdom through faithful people that call you Father. But God, we're not finished. It's not done. It's not done until you say it's done. And so, God, I pray as a church body, as the body of Christ, as a family that comes together, that that you would show us. You would continue to show us and lead us and guide us in the best way, the most effective way for people to see you and know you. That they would know your love, experience your love and your grace and your forgiveness in their lives. So, God, lead us, guide us, give us wisdom. Help us to stay focused on you. Help us to stay focused on the command you gave us to go and make disciples. To be encouragers. To build one another up. Help us to be a church that looks like you. To be children that look like our dad. And act like our dad. God, again, we thank you so much for your incredible love for us. I pray that we would repay that. We would worship you with our lives as we leave this place. Our lives would be a sacrifice of praise for what you've done for each and every one of us. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray this morning. Amen. I love you guys so much, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. God bless you. Don't forget our kids program tonight.